sitting right here off my left elbow here in the uh, newsmaker chair, uh, the beautiful, the lovely, the talented, the inimitable Christy Stutzman. Christy, hi. Hi. How are you? I'm great. How are you? Good. Now, your husband and I are great friends. Yes. Marlon Stutzman. Uh, you and I... Not so much, but you put up with me because of Kim, my wife. Exactly. See, that, That's exactly I think, right. I think we just need to set the stage for that right away so everybody's aware. Kim makes everything better. Yeah. Oh, you have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> she makes it palatable. Um, uh, you're, the reason you're here. Now, let's, let's back up a little bit. You have, since I've known you, you have been the wife of someone who was in the House down at the State House mm-hmm. and the Senate. Right. And then they ran for third district the first time they got it was because our guy at the time had to leave his state uh, his office right and so we had where did we where did we hold that the um the, the voting caucus yeah was uh, it columbia city it was columbia city yeah, okay mm-hmm. and so i think on the second ballot marlon was put into that office so then you became the wife of a congressman uh, was that daunting at, at first? Oh, it was. Yeah, especially because of the fact that we had been thrown into not just a caucus situation, but because of the caucus and the the whole you know scenario, how things worked, uh, we actually arrived in Washington without any prep. Uh, we had no orientation, right? And so we just hit the ground running. They needed his vote on the floor that day, so oh, yeah. it was it was pretty <laughs> yeah. pretty daunting. The, the one thing I thought this was kind of interesting. The one thing that Marlon said to me about Nancy Pelosi mm-hmm. that kind of surprised him is at the time that he took the oath of office, and I guess you guys were in her office or somewhere there. Yeah, he was the only one sworn in that day, and right. so we were we were doing a media avail in her office Right, and after, after all that, when the cameras were off and all that, and she's thanking you guys and thanks for coming in, she remembered the kids' names and all that. that. That surprises me. Yeah, she came in, said hello to each one of us by name, spoke to the media, took questions, he took questions, and as she walked out, she got all of our names right again. So that was, yeah, it was pretty impressive. Yeah, that, that, I mean, and, and I do appreciate that. Right. Now, on some legislation, <laughs> not so much. Uh, so so let's get to the book, because here's what happened. You were the wife of a legislator down in Indianapolis, then the wife of a legislator in Washington, D.C. Mm-hmm. You went through a couple of pretty large campaigns with him. Uh, and then, uh, after he did not make it to the Senate, um, for reasons we won't discuss, Mr. <laughs> Mr. McConnell, uh, but, but, but since he didn't make it, um, you guys tried to find a way to have an impact on people's lives, even though he wasn't somebody with a moniker before his name. No senator, no rep, no you know this or that. Right. And you guys landed in um, Napanee, and there was the Amish Acres— uh, theater and restaurant and all that, which basically was on the outs. It was down and done, and things were not good. Um, you guys put a a heap amount of money and a large effort of work saving those buildings, making it better than it was, incorporating other people to come and do business on your property. I've had more than three people tell me in the last six months who lived there in that mm-hmm. town that what you guys did there in the remake of Amish Acres and making it the Round Barn Theater, that you basically saved probably 50% of Napanee. Wow. Well, that's encouraging to hear. Yeah, it was a, a labor of love, just like our farm and how. You know, it was built in 1885, and we restored that, and we we just love 
restoring and preserving yeah. historic places all across you know our district and and that is you know one of the places where Marlon took me actually the night that he proposed he took me to the Round Barn Theater to really? see Annie Get Your Gun. No yeah. kidding. So when it came up for auction you know I had a production company that I had started about two years ago I mean two years before that before 2020 so okay. we had started it in 2018 and really the reason I started it was that we had some partners at the time that really wanted to create uplifting wholesome entertainment on an excellent scale. The kind of stuff you don't have to apologize for for showing yes. or seeing, right? Exactly. You can take your whole family, enjoy it, but it's a Broadway-level style yep. you know, show. And so we started working on content. Uh, but then in order to be able to workshop it, you need a place uh, to do it. And so uh, we were looking for, you know, properties like that but that one had a special place in our hearts and sure. you know we are definitely suckers for historic places yeah. in Indiana and so uh, when that came up for sale uh, we we ended up buying it at auction and then COVID hit so uh, it was one of those um, talk about one a challenge. two punches <laughs> yeah, talk about a challenge yes. that was a challenge so Christy's here we're going to talk to her again right after this break because we need to get into this book I just want you guys to have a full understanding for who she is who her family is, what they've gone through, uh, the promises that they made to the people in their community, and how they have fulfilled those promises. Talking to Christy Stutzman. Christy, in this book, The Spiritual Price of Political Science, and people can get this book right now, right? Yes, they can get it on Amazon. Endgame Press is the publisher. Um, wherever you can buy books, it's it's out there online. Okay, it's out there. Cool, very cool. Uh, I already have one in my hands. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> but, but one of the things that got me was at the start of the book, you said that this book is written um, with people in mind, like your fellow Americans who hold deep faith in the Holy Scriptures and the Judeo-Christian principles on which our nation was founded. Are those not the very things that are being challenged right now to the very core? Yes. Yeah, they're definitely being challenged. And, you know, um, it's been interesting to kind of do a deep dive into how they're being challenged. Um, so there is a political price that we're – there's a a price that we're paying for mm -hmm. our political silence. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's, I think, it's evident to a lot of families, a lot of parents right now, what their kids are learning in school. COVID revealed a lot of that yep. um, and the curriculum and the woke agenda. And uh, But now we're seeing it worldwide. Uh, the United Nations is pushing ESG. You know, there's so many things that they're putting in place that actually kind of stem from the first experiments in communism and socialism. And so I kind of did a deep dive into uh, the roots you know, what we're seeing, the results that we're seeing in our culture right now. And really, the roots have are, are very deep. They go f really far back, uh, further back than I realized. Um, so there's been an, a concerted effort and a targeting of our Judeo-Christian principles. And really, it comes down to a target on uh, God. Uh, they want to remove God from society. They want to remove faith. And that's why this book is to people of faith. I'm going to be um, at the GOP headquarters tomorrow from here, Fort, here in town, here in town at Fort Wayne, downtown from four to seven thirty. And I really hope, you know, people come out. I'm going to be doing a book signing, talking a little more in depth about the book. Um, but we need to know that as people of faith, we have been targeted uh, by cultural Marxists. We've been targeted by folks who are humanists, who don't believe right. that there is a God. And they want to remove it from our society. And uh, the family structure, the family unit, is in their words, this is, this is their words, is, is the ultimate authoritarian structure that they're trying to take down. Yep. That's why they're attacking yep. our kids. Yep. What you and I would call a normal American family 
to them, that mindset is the enemy. That is enemy number one. Yeah. Yes, that, that's exactly. incredible, isn't it? I know. It's amazing that we're, we're, we're kind of just now waking up to that fact, but it's been ongoing. And it started in our universities, Institutes of Higher Learning. They started targeting that early on, um, right around the turn of the century. Then there was a, a kind of a break, uh, a divide in the American church in general, mm-hmm. a people of faith as to how they would handle government. And a lot of people of faith turned away from being involved in government. It was too ugly. It was too corrupt. There wasn't, wasn't. And what we didn't realize was the fact that this isn't just a country. This is a unique experiment in human history. Right. And if we don't, if we're not involved, we're not actually exercising our birthright of freedom. So our birthright gives us the the privilege of freedom, but it also gives us the responsibility of freedom. And it's unique in the history of the world because the founders actually made one as- assumption, and that was people of faith would always be involved mm-hmm. um, out of self-defense mm-hmm. to protect our own our own rights but also to perpetuate freedom for our children. And we're seeing that slip away. I mean, I I remember talking to a guy from, I think it was Lithuania or Latvia. It was one of those Eastern Bloc countries that he lived under communism, under the USSR. And so out of curiosity, I asked him, I said, so what was it like? Did you have freedom of religion there? And he kind of smiled and he said, well, of course we did. I said, oh, really? I said, that's that's interesting. You know, could you just choose any church you wanted to go to? And he said, well, yeah, you could go to church. But, you know, they kept the list and, and you couldn't go to college if you go to church. And I said, I'm sorry, what? And he said, yeah, they kept lists of people that went to church and you were marked as, you know, the unscientific. You're a lesser light. Exactly. Yeah. And, you know, there was a 2014 Pew Reach Research Center study that said that during the Soviet period, people who publicly professed religious beliefs were denied prestigious jobs and admissions to universities. Mm-hmm. That was something that was common there. Well, when was the last time you heard someone uh, on the Science Channel or somewhere who was a creationist scientist who was actually seen as an authority. You don't see that. Yeah. Um, your kids are getting, you know, marked down in school because they deliver, you know, conservative pa- a, a viewpoint with their papers. I, I mean, it goes I remember, on and on. I remember when I was a freshman at what is now the University of Indianapolis, and I had a biology professor who finally decided he'd had enough of me and my questions. And he said, he actually walked right up to my desk and said, do you not believe that God is strong enough and more powerful enough that he could do? And he explained the whole Big Bang Theory, that Hmm. your God is not powerful enough to do that. And I said, yes, sir, I do. And then he turned, he started to walk away. And I said, and I would not be able to have faith in him. Wow. Because then he turned around and lied to me about how he did it. What kind of God is that? Yeah. my biology class actually applauded me, which just blew his brain. Um, but, yeah. but I mean, th- when I look back to that, that was 1973. Exactly. Yeah. From 1973 to now, people in college wouldn't have the nerve to stand up and even say that. And I wasn't, when I said that, I had been a Christian for a year. Wow. I got saved at the fairgrounds down in Indianapolis mm-hmm. in 72. This is in 73. Um, and I mean, I. I was no great theological brain. It just made sense to me. Right. And if you're right. going to try to cram God into that box, mm-hmm. that doesn't work for me. And yep. he's like, well, now if you try that, they'll say, well, that doesn't matter. Right. You, you can't have that box. Mm-hmm. Yep. Exactly. That's Whoopi Goldberg's speech right there. I know. I mean, we're, we're looking at, you know, all these things that our kids are facing. And I think the hope that I see, though, is that there is a remnant of the faithful, of people of faith who are raising their children and being vigilant 
um, over them as far as like teaching them the truth and telling them that there is one truth Mm -hmm. and that is God's truth and to follow that. And, you know, those kids, I see they're involved in TPUSA rallies and events and, you know, chapters in their campuses and so there's a lot of activity, a pro-life movement, you know, has been part of that. And there's there's so many conservative groups out there, more than when I was a child or in high school. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's encouraging to see. And I just pray that this book, you know, will just speak to people of faith across America and bring us all together and say, now, wait a minute, we have a seat at the table. This is our birthright, too. And if, we, if we're not there, if we're not involved, civically involved, uh, then we can't complain about how it's going to go. Right. Uh, so we have to be involved. Yeah, if you just sit back, keep your mouth shut, don't complain when things go wrong. Right. Uh, so we, we've only got two minutes left. I'm sorry. That's okay. What's the one thing that you want to tell people about this book, about what they're going to find here? Because there are people listening right now that I think if they understand the book the way I do, they're going to they're going to go buy it. Not just so you can make money on the book, but they want to buy it so they can have this book in their library so they can refer to it and their children can refer yeah, to it. Yeah, it is, it is an easy read. It's a guidebook. To getting involved and so there's like a refresher course on america's judeo-christian founding directly from original sources and then in the middle it talks about uh the the culture today Mm -hmm. how we got to this craziness Mm -hmm. and the chaos that we see all around us and then the last part is it's easier than you think to be involved and there's a step-by-step easy how-to manual how to be involved and then i also included excerpts from the different political uh um, platforms Mm -hmm. Uh, so they can either look it up themselves or read it right there in the book and then there's also reliable resources where to get good information where do you go to get solid information that you know is not biased and i give like little blurbs about each one of them, but I really hope people take action and are encouraged and just use it as a handbook to be involved. Yeah. What is your What is your biggest fear on all this? If you're, if you're looking at, like, you know, political science today, and if you're looking at critical theory, what is your largest fear if we don't get it, if we don't do something right now? My fear is we have no place to go, uh, that America will not be recognizable if we don't do something. So um, my fear is for my children, for my grandchildren. I want them to have the freedom and opportunity that I've had. And uh, I feel, feel like this is my responsibility. And I just, I really hope and pray that we have a large enough remnant that actually takes action mm-hmm. and, uh, and does something about it. Years and years and years ago, the female prime minister of Israel uh, replied to somebody and said, you don't understand. We have to stay here and fight because outside of this place, we have nowhere else to go. There now, is no place. Yeah, yeah we, we might be able to go to England. We might be able to go to Brazil. I might be able to catch a plane and go to France. But I can't go anywhere that I have what we have historically had here. But if we don't, if we're not careful, Christy, our history is going to change. Yeah. And it won't be here. Yeah. And the structure is still there. It's still accessible. And that's the hope that we have is that we actually have access to we the people being involved and that we have the most influence of any other country in the history of the world. So let's do it. Yeah. Let's don't lose that. Christy Stutzman and her brand new book, The Spiritual Price of Political Science. You can find it at Amazon or any of the other book outlets that you use uh, or just do a, do a search on Google for The Spiritual Price of Political science it'll come up uh but get the book i mean yep. it, it's it's not huge it's not going to take you forever no no offense here but it's not war and peace okay <laughs> and i hope to see you tomorrow too at the gop headquarters yep. for the book signing and, and, that, and that's we'll be there four to, from four to seven thirty four to seven thirty right yep. downtown fort wayne all right thank you christy we're going to be back with more straight ahead podcasts by federated media